family, it's good to be in the Lord's house. I'm so proud of you and your willingness to come out on a cold and frosty morning. I wore blue to remind me that the snow was coming in, so it wouldn't preach quite as long. And I think I have Sister Sherry for that already, anyhow. Um, but I want to say that again. I really want to uh, say God bless you and thank you for uh, being out with us today. Obviously, the weather has uh, been a challenging thing for our area for the last few days, and certainly this week is going to be you know, more of the same. I do want to encourage you, as I've done on the phone tree, if you're not on our phone tree, which it may be a little bit late today to get you there because we have to have Lexi to, to sign you up, but uh, you've got to get signed up so we, can, we, we, we don't overwhelm you with phone calls, but we do try to encourage you with things that are going on, and we're actually going to be adopting a new administrative system here in the next couple of weeks that we'll be making some changes to, but we're really trying to be as administratively efficient as we can uh, for 2021, so I just wanted you to be aware to really reach out to one another. You know, pastors, we, I don't want somebody to slip through our fingers, so to speak, and it falls just to JoJo and myself and, and Jace and a few others that are checking on people. You know, you, you're, you're your brother's keeper. As a poor amen for such a powerful truth, but you are your brother's keeper, and I want to encourage you to check on the people that are in your life and just to make sure, because this is, um, uh, you know, it's a difficult timing of this weather event that we're, us Arkansans are not used to this type of stuff. I've got to go put hay out after service today and all this stuff. And I'm like, what in the world? Sherry, I said, why did I buy a farm? Why? Just for days like today, I suppose. It's character building. So, but we did alter the service some a little bit when the snow, if you got the phone tree, when the snow, they were, it's not supposed to arrive here until about four or five o'clock. Now it's 1230 or so. So we've, we've chosen, I had a testimony scheduled that's a very powerful testimony of, uh, from a, um, not quite a member, but a soon-to-be member of our assembly. It's a powerful testimony. We're going to hold that off now to the 28th, because on the 21st, next Sunday, we have got Brother Bob Holyfield, who has been a longtime prison chaplain in the Assemblies of God, has a, um, an amazing testimony, an amazing ministry um, to know that we've got men and women like Brother Holyfield and his wife that are reaching out to the men and women that are incarcerated. I'm telling you, you'll be moved when you, when you uh, hear how God is using them in their ministry. They're going to be here next Sunday morning, and he'll be preaching. Brother Bob's just said he's a holy man of God, and, and I want to encourage you to come out. But then the following week, we're going to, we'll conclude, and I've also got a very special video of a missions endeavor that we're going to connect with right here at First Assembly um, out of resources that are already been given. I was going to show that video today. I'm not going to. I want to share with you. It's going to be a part of my sermon, but it's a part of some, it's more than a part of my sermon. It's a part of my heart, mine, and our staff's heart of what God is doing through missions in the Assemblies of God and through First Assembly in this calendar year. So I want to ask you to take your Bibles, and they're going to post on the screen. We'll go right to the Word. I did shorten some things a little bit, so I'd have my, my fair preaching time. Good, bad, or ugly. Genesis chapter number 8. If you would stand with me in the reading of Scripture, we're going to read this text together. And then we're going to, there's only one verse, and we're going to read four verses in Mark's gospel. And we're going to let this set the context for us here today. It's the very familiar, it's at the end of um, the time of, of the flood, and God is speaking to Noah as he's hung the bow in the cloud to remind mankind and remind himself certainly as a covenant with the earth that he would never flood the earth again 
So here's what the Lord said in the context of that. He said, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat. Now, you can probably identify with that one probably more so in the middle there, cold and heat, and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. It's a covenant that God made with the earth. God's proclaimed this. And how many know if God proclaims it, he doesn't back away from what he's spoke, spoken. He, he set this in order. This is a, this is a lo- these are laws that are in the earth. As long as the earth remaineth, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and wheat, summer and winter, and day and night. They shall not cease. So we're going to focus in a minute on seed time and harvest. And now we're going to go to Mark's gospel, chapter number 4. And as we read this, this is one of the most famous of all passages in the scriptures because this is some of the most uh, dynamic parables that Jesus himself taught and especially it's on the, it follows, the one that we're going to read is just five verses, or four verses that we're going to read uh, that follows the, the parable of the sower. And then in verse 26, Jesus is still speaking with it to an agricultural audience. He's using the analogy of agriculture to teach the principles that I want to talk to you about here in a moment. And, and it says here, verse 26, and he said, So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. Very quickly, verse 28, reading from the version that I'm reading for, creates the picture image of uh, the corn as we know it in the south, but it would be more uh, the corn of wheat. It would be the, the wheat that was the, one of the staples of, the, uh, the, uh, of the, the children of Israel and their diets, and it was a part of their agricultural community. So get that picture image in your mind here as you read this text. Today I'm going to talk to you about something that I believe in. And I believe in it with my whole heart. Um, not everybody does, but maybe through my influence today, I can convince you of something that I believe in. Not coerce you into believing something, but convince you according to Scripture, hopefully create inspiration in your heart to see something that can, I believe this, it can alter and it can even radically affect your life. So let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for this opportunity to speak, not just to those that are here who I have honored and I honor their faith and faithfulness to come out and be with us in the sanctuary today. But I also know, God, that through the means of this Facebook Live service, we have a much broader audience. So take, Father, I pray what the people who are here, Father, knit us together with those who are not here, but that are still engaged and that are still watching. Almost what Paul prayed, Father, in the Corinthians when he said, my spirit will be there. Well, those that aren't here physically, God, let their spirits be here. Let us unite together Open our understanding today and let us see. Let us have spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. And God, let us, uh, Father God, receive this word, which I truly, Father, I want to say that it can alter the influence of this passage and these texts that I'm going to share with the church family today. God can alter entire family lineages if people will catch hold of this by faith. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Well, today as you're seated, I'm going to talk to you about something called the miracle of seed faith. The miracle of seed faith. It's not a phrase that you'll find exactly in the scriptures, but it's a principle that I believe that if you'll search diligently, then you can discover. Now, I want to say this. 
This is something that I have seen in the Word of God. I've heard the testimony of many others in the kingdom of God, and then I've also proven it in my own life. And as you age, I can honestly say that many people that are, when we say age, everybody ages, obviously, but there are certain, certain moments where you start saying, well, they're definitely aging. And whether that means your hair starts graying or your back starts bending, whatever the case might be, to identify to the community of, of, of influence that you have, that you're aging, hopefully you are aging in wisdom, growing in knowledge, growing in understanding. And there's a desire in your heart is always to share and influence with others, right? I mean, to be somebody that says, I believe in these things and I want to share them with you because if I can invest these, especially to the younger generation, if I can invest these into your life earlier in life, then I believe that you can see them and you can function within the, the, the awareness that there is a miracle contained in seed faith. There's a miracle contained in it and I believe in miracles. And we're almost show you and talk about that here in just a moment. So let's take a moment just real quickly and remind you about how God has chosen to reveal himself. God has chosen to reveal himself oftentimes through the natural world. Not only himself, but then how he functions, how he relates to man. Paul himself spoke of this in Scripture when he says that the invisible things of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, first that which is spiritual, then that, or first that which is natural, then that which is spiritual. So we often look at natural because we are natural beings. We are of the flesh. We are of the earth in one sense. We have spirit because of the breath of God inside of us, but we also know earthly things. So the, the Father chose to reveal himself and how he would relate to mankind and also how the kingdom of God would function in the earth through these natural examples. Jesus himself often talked about and used natural examples. Many of his parables, when Jesus was relating parables, often you have to understand he did so in the backdrop of uh, visually aided sermons. I don't have that visually aided sermon today, and we're in the context of and the confines of a sanctuary, but Jesus many times might be in an open field, and he's alluding to something in the natural world. He might be along the sea, and he's referencing something that's, in the, that's related to the sea or the seashore or to the uh, fishery or something of that nature. So I want, you to, I want you to see this. The text that we read in Mark chapter 4 is the parable. It's called the parable of the growing seed. It's just very quickly, the man slash farmer does what he knows to do. What does he know to do? Prepare the soil. Choose out good soil because that's in the backdrop of the parable that he had taught previously. Chooses out good soil. He does his part. He prepares it. And as he prepares it, he cultivates it and then he keeps it and guards it. But then he does something. In this text here, it says he casts seed into the earth. You could easily say he sows seed. If you read another translation, it may say he scatters the seed. But either way, seed is sown in the earth and then Day and night, the Bible says that he goes to bed, he gets up in the morning. Remember, when he's rising up, he's doing his part. How many of you know that in your relationship with God and in your, in, in your being who God's called you to be, God does his part? But we've got to do our part, don't we? And so he's doing his part. He's watching over, he's hedging it in, he's guarding it, he's tilling the soil, he's doing everything. But I love that passage of Scripture there when it says in verse number 27, it says, and he does not know how. He doesn't know how the miracle takes place. He doesn't know exactly what causes the life of the seed to join with the life of the soil 
to be aided by the life of the sun and then to receive the life of moisture that comes into the soil until it awakens the life that's in the seed and then before long the seed has been radically transformed. And it's not a seed that he's just looking at, but he's noting that there is a stem, and then there are branches. And if there's a stem and branches, there's got to be roots, right? So something's going downward, and something's going upward. Then something launches out east to west, and before long, then there's a blade. Before long, then there's fruit. And then he says he recognizes that now is the time of harvest. Now, why do I bring this up? Today, just real quickly, and put it in the context of Genesis 8:22. Genesis 8:22. God said, as long as the earth remains, as long as you're here and breathing my air, as long as you're in this natural world, there's going to be seed time and harvest. Is that right? So do y'all see a little bit of a parallel? I want to connect this. So very quickly, it's cyclic. It's year after year. It's not that it doesn't work one year and it works the next year. If the conditions are right, it always works. Right, It's not going to fail. As long as it's good seed and good soil and you're doing your part to protect it and cultivate it, the life that God breathed into the seed and the soil in the Genesis is going to produce. It's going to produce a harvest. So very quickly, note this, that the kingdom itself, God's kingdom in the earth right now is revealed through this analogy. Jesus taught kingdom principles through seed time and harvest. But at the same time, these kingdom principles of how you and I live and function in the kingdom of God are revealed through the same analogy. And what I mean by that is if you and I were to go into a foreign country and we were going to be a mission or a missionary, I mean, you know, we would have to learn how to function within that community of people. It would differ from the United States. We would have to learn. Well, we're in the kingdom of God. We've got to learn how to function within the kingdom of God. Seed time and a harvest is a part of it. There are principles that include seed faith. They're seen throughout the scriptures. I'm going to show you a couple of things here in a moment. I'm building this context for you to see what I see, the miracle of seed faith. God himself believes in seed faith. God believed. God chose to harvest a family, and before he could harvest a family, he took Abraham out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans, and he sowed him in Canaan's land. Then we find that God himself sowed Jacob in Midian that he might receive of the fruit of his 12 sons. God sowed Joseph in Egypt that he might harvest a nation. But I want you to know that God sowed Jesus on a hillside called Calvary that he might harvest the earth. So tell me today, God believes in seed faith, doesn't he? And if he believes in it and God uses it, then I want to use it as well. The teaching of seed faith is connected many times to our financial giving and then connecting that giving to our need. That's what I'm going to expose to you today in a moment of time, either creating need or connecting that to need. In essence, you and I either have a need or we create one by giving. Or we will have one later. How many of you know that sometimes you give and there's no need in your life? But how many know there's a time you may have a need later? And you're trusting in God who watches over the seed sown. God produces fruit through our giving. I was there last week, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Paul used the same words to teach this principle. God produces fruit through your giving. When you give, somebody's blessed. And we celebrate that somebody's blessed, don't we? Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So anytime that we are giving, the motive in our heart is to be a blessing to someone else. I said it last week, it's seed for someone, it's bread for another. Someone must sow it, but somebody's going to eat it. Somebody's going to be aided by it. 
God's favor is seen at some point in time. The sower's need is present, and yet God promises to meet that need through His eternal abundance. How many of you believe that? I do. Oral Roberts is the actual man that brought this teaching to the forefront of the modern Christian movement, the Pentecostal charismatic movement, uh, seed faith. But unfortunately, I'm going to be honest with you here today, we have watched this truth be exploited. We've watched televangelists look into the camera and challenge you and and, and ask you to give your thousand seed faith, thousand dollar seed faith offering into a ministry that may have corrupt practices. And we've watched some of these things be exposed. And now, you know what? I'm okay. I'm going to be honest. I'm okay when, when there's an actual exposing of, of corrupt practices, when people are mishandling the resources that God has entrusted them to. I'm all right with that because God said there's nothing done in darkness that won't be brought to light. And we care, we, we value things. We want to be found faithful stewards over the resources that God provides and uses in the lives of the men and women of the people of God. And I want to show you and I want to continue to highlight the reciprocation. I want to say this again. Just because that somebody misused this principle does not take away from the life of the principle. The miracle of the seed faith is in the scriptures. Just because someone in the 80s or the 90s or in our most recent or even presently right now is misusing it to coerce and manipulate giving in their church or their local community, I'm not going to allow their abuse to rob me of walking in this life-giving principle and exposing it to you. In doing so, I'm robbing you of God's economy, of God's agricultural and also spiritual economy called seed time and harvest. I want to remind you again today, Pastor Brown believes in the miracle of seed faith. God gives seed to the sower. He gives bread to the eater. And listen to this. He multiplies your seed sown. For seed to have its miracle power unlocked, it's got to be sown. If seed is only consumed, then it is but bread. But if you sever and sow, that's the way I read it in my own uh, understanding. When God puts something in my heart or in my hand... I, it's bread, obviously, at times, but I always need to sever seed off of it to sow it into God's economy. You and I live in a constant state of seed time and harvest. It takes faith, and many times it takes faith to sow in a time of need. Did y'all hear that? Now, it's one thing to give of abundance. Remember this. The reason why I want to say this, I believe with all my heart that God believes in seed faith and has pr created the principles. If God didn't believe in seed faith, then Jesus would have stopped the widow that cast in out of her need into the treasury. He would have halted her hand and not allowed the two denarius that was in her hand to fall into the bottom of that offering container. There are 13 containers in the temple at the time of Jesus. He would have stopped her, and he would have changed her mentality by speaking. But no, he didn't, because I believe God, I believe Jesus was, was, was speaking when he said, God had seen, God saw, God saw her need, and I believe he was going to meet her need. Do you believe that today? And so if the seed is only consumed, that it is bread, but it is severed and sown, then you and I can see the reciprocation. I, I said, a, I quoted briefly a psalm last week, and I want to bring up two verses of this here today. It's Psalm 126. It's powerful. There's actually, it's an old hymn in the church. How many remember the old hymn, Bringing in the Sheaves? Does anybody remember? Bringing in the sheaves, right? Bringing in the sheaves. He shall go rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. I had no clue what that meant when I was a young child in the Baptist church, listening to that. And so, well, I want to go back to the fifth verse, if we can, real quickly, Angie, if we would. 
So for a moment of time, it says, he that goeth forth weeping. He that goeth forth weeping. Bearing, listen to this, bearing precious seed. So you read that right there with me. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. I quoted that last week. But only when you, those that sow in tears shall reap in joy. So that's the context. They're woven together. Those that sow in tears shall, weep in joy, or shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping. So they, the psalmist is tied something. He's painting a picture of somebody that's got seed. He's willing to sow, but he's struggling to sow because he's weeping. But the promise is if he goes forth and sows in tears, then he's going to come rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The only way to fully understand that is understand the context of the psalm. And I believe in the prophetic word of God, don't you? The reason why I'm bringing this to your attention is the context of Psalm 126 is the return from the Babylonian captivity or the exile. Now, those of you that don't know anything about this, for the sake of time, I can't go into all the depths of it, but Israel was taken into, Judah particularly, was taken into captivity for 70 years. And so they were ravished of their lambs. They were taken away from their homelands, and they were held there for 70 years when they were allowed to return by the decree of Cyrus, the Persian king. And when Cyrus gave the decree that men and women gathered up and made like a 300-mile journey carrying whatever resources they could gather to go back to their homeland that had been ravaged by war 70 years earlier, but then also been ravaged by neglect because there weren't enough people left to take care of the land. So they had just enough, just a little bit of seed, seed that when they got to the land, they could do one of two things. They could take the seed and they could mat it out and make bread and they could consume it and have nothing or they in weeping and in sacrifice and in challenge and in sorrow even, they could sow it into the soil and trust in Genesis 8 and 22, seed time and harvest. They would have to sacrifice. They would have to go without for a period of time. They'd have to watch over it. They would go to bed and get up, not knowing how, but only knowing that God was true to his word. And the psalmist said that if you sow in tears, you'll reap in joy. He said, you'll go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, but one day you will come again rejoicing, bringing in the sheep, bringing in the harvest. Seed time. Man, if I had somebody on an organ up here right now, I don't know, Leroy... Leotis might come out in me today because I believe in this principle and I want you to see it today. That's the context of it. And so it's God doesn't turn away from sacrificial sowing, but he actually promises to reward your sacrifice. My next thought is, do you believe in miracles? I believe in miracles. I believe in a God of miracles. Do you believe in financial miracles? I do. I believe that, and I want to just kind of challenge the unbelief that we may have. We think to ourselves, but, but why would God produce a, a financial miracle? Because he's God. And he can receive glory. Because you will rejoice when you've seen the handiwork of God. When you've seen so, precious seeds sown. And it became bread to the eater, and it caused a multiplication in the earth, then you're gonna rejoice and give God glory. And so, first of all, let me ask you this all the need in your life as a sower is not financial. I know that, I recognize that today. So, all reciprocation in your life is not always financial, right? Just because you sow a financial seed does not mean that it immediately comes back to you through financial provision. 
Sometimes it does. How I many know there's no money, no price you can put on peace in your heart? There's no price you can put on unity in a marriage. It's, I know it's Valentine's Day, and I ought to be preaching about that, about husbands and wives, but did you know the number one reason of discord in a couple today is financial division, right? Contention, strife. And you know what? One of the things that can heal relationships with men and women, husbands and wives, can come together and see that in their bank account or in the way that my grandma used to talk, in their pocketbook and in their wallet and in their resources, that seed. And if they could come together and sow seed by faith, they can see the miracle power of God and it can result in uniting those hearts together in faith and in love. Did y'all know that? I believe that. I've seen it firsthand in the kingdom of God. Many of us, though, the reality is we have found ourselves in financial despair. We've found ourselves, I believe in, I believe God could cancel debt miraculously. I believe God can do, God can do anything he chooses to do for the good of his children and for his own personal glory. And so I believe that like the farmer, you have to do your part. You've got to be diligent. You've got to be watchful. You've got to learn financial principles, right? You can't waste the things that God has given you. Right? And, and, and always expect God to come in and clean up. Sometimes God will let you learn through your poor decisions until you decide, you know what, I'm going to do my part. Right? And I'm not going to neglect the, the, the resources and, and managing the resources God has given me. But at the same time, I never want to let go of the fact that God can move something supernatural into my life. Financially, God can do something in our lives. And so I want you to know today that as I, see, as I preach this message, the miracle of seed faith, I'm doing so because there may be somebody that's watching me today, listening by, that, that's here, watching online, that you're in need of a financial miracle. And all you got is a little bit of seed. Be very guarded. Don't eat your seed in your time of need. You want to see God's handiwork in your life? Sow your seed. In your time of need, and you can unlock the windows of heaven and see the bountiful blessing of God come upon your life. Man, that's a good preaching for a handsome guy like myself. Let's go farther. I believe in miracle, the miracle-working power of God even to elevate our lives financially. Abraham left his homeland. He was a stranger. But the Bible says that he became very rich. He was multiplied. He had great assets. And he won the spoils of war, and he wasn't even a warrior. Because of the blessing of God. Isaac sowed in the land and he reaped a hundredfold. God moved, transferred the wealth of Laban to his servant Jacob. Israel spoiled the Egyptians on the night of the Passover. 400 years of back pay. How many of you would like to have a back pay check come in the mail? 400 years of back pay came rolling in to the Israelites. And they had the resources that they need to take them into the promised land. I love the thought about Ruth. Ruth, in her poverty, did what she knew to do. The law allowed her to glean in the field. She went out, rolled her sleeves up. Her and Naomi were distraught in poverty. And she said, I'm not going to just sit back and do nothing. I'm going to do what I can do. The law allowed her to glean in the field. She went out there in the heat of the Middle Eastern sun. She gleaned all day until she was invited into the house of the owner of the field to eat for a while. And he took notice of her. His name was Boaz. And he moved the men that were gleaning the field that are reaping the field they he moved them and he said i want you to leave something behind for this precious little girl how many how do you know today god watches over your faithfulness he'll leave you something in the field and she before long did y'all know what she ended up marrying that man she owned the field that she was reaping in mm, man alive i know it's getting close to getting cold but i'm telling you that warms my heart 
The widow of one of the sons of the prophets was deeply in debt. Creditors were coming to take her son as bondservants to pay the debt. And she cried out to the man of God. And he spoke a prophetic word. How many believe in the prophetic word? Go to your neighbor, borrow vessels and not a few. Pour oil from what you have into the vessels and then sell and pay your debt. And even Jesus and Peter found himself on April the 15th with a tax debt due. Judas had the bag. He wasn't present. And they didn't know what to do. Peter said, I don't know what to do. I don't have anything to, to pay our debt. And remember what Jesus said. Now, remember, this is often overlooked. I could preach this. It was a miracle, but it was a miracle in the sense of something that Peter was called and gifted at. Peter was a fisherman. So what did he do? He had not totally vacated all of his fishing industry as of yet. We see that at the resurrection. He's back in the boat. So this time, Jesus said, go back to the sea, cast a hook in, and take a fish, and you'll be surprised what you'll find in his mouth. And then he said, when you take that coin, I want you to pay your debt with that coin. You cast in, you take up. Seed time and harvest. So it's in the scriptures. There's no way to avoid it. Let me show you what seed faith is. Seed faith is, number one, recognize God's your source. How many believe that today? God's my, he gives me seed, he gives me bread, and he multiplies my seed sown. God is all in all. God is my source. He's the source of seed. He's the source of your provision. Number two, this was taught by Oral Roberts himself. You've got to give first. You have to sow. If you, all you do is eat your seed, then you're going to consume it in the time of your need. You have to sow it. it how many of you know it takes courage to sow, especially during a time of need? It takes courage to do so. You have to give first. But I also add to this, you have to give with a pure motive. When you give, you want to be a blessing to the end recipient. Whatever it is, whether it's at the local church, whether it's at your neighbor, or whether it's through a faith promise card that I'm going to talk to you about in closing this message in a moment, you have to give with the fullest intent and the purest heart that says, God, I want to take whatever resource in my hand, and I want to be a blessing to someone else. And number three, though, I think this is where Jace was at a moment ago, you expect. You have to expect. You have to expect a miracle. The farmer that rises up day and night expects something, doesn't he? He expects God to honor his word. God said seed time and harvest. As long as you're in the earth, if it's good ground, good soil, the conditions are right, you're going to receive a good harvest. Right? Same way when you sow, you expect a miracle. So seed faith is what Paul was teaching that I was at last week when Paul said these words, sow bountifully, reap bountifully. Right? And then the prayers of those, don't forget that. I'm going to come back and I'm about to close. I'm going to bring you to one final passage and I'm going to close this message out by showing you through an analogy that I think can, can truly stir your heart as a believer. Remember, the prayers of those who were blessed by your seed faith can come back and be used by God to be a blessing to your life when your need is really present. Seed faith is what Paul taught in Philippians 4. I'm going to skip that one today for the sake of time. But that's that famous passage of Scripture, verse number 19. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Correct? It's on the screen. But if you go back and read verses 14 through 19, you'll understand that the need was created in the life of the Philippian by giving into Paul's ministry and to him personally. Paul said, I didn't have any other church communicating with me concerning giving and receiving other than you. Paul said, and you know Paul's heart. We talked about it last week. Paul chose often to be bivocational so that he wouldn't bring any reproach to the newly founded church. But there were times he had no means to work. 
and he was dependent upon the financial giving of those that were under his ministry and the Philippians sent to him. And you know what Paul called their offering to him? If we read this earlier, we could have read it, it was in the text. He called it a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. And he said, in your giving, it's created need. And the apostle then spoke a prophetic blessing according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Here's the danger of the American church. We believe that our need was created by our greedy lifestyle many times or by our poor decisions or our sowing to our flesh. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. Paul said, you want to see God's handiwork, sow it, create a need by sowing, and then you'll see God's riches poured out in your life. That's powerful, isn't it? So here today, though, I'm going to take you to, in closing this message, I'm preaching better than you are shouting, but that's all right. I know it's cold outside, but at the same time, it's warm in here. Miracle of seed faith. I talked to you last week about a faith promise card. I'm going to talk to you about it again today. And I'm going to prelude this text by talking about that card. On the 28th, I'm going to share with you what I'm going to do, what our church is going to do in Seed Faith. We're going to do something very exciting in Seed Faith. I've already talked to our board about it. I'm super excited. Not to take resources from you, resources that have already been given. We're going to take what's already in our hand, and we're going to sow it in a very special place. I'll share it with you in two weeks. But I want to challenge you today because I'm telling you, I know that we have need in our life. Many of us have need, and sometimes we find ourselves at the point where we need even a financial miracle. And sometimes it is through our own poor stewardship. But that doesn't mean God won't come in. It starts with our true repentant heart. In any time in my life when I found myself in, the, in, in a poor financial uh, position, the first thing that I found myself needing to do was to repent before God, to repent before the Lord. And say, God, I have mishandled resources. I have allowed the structure, the system of the earth, the, the, this, this debt-based culture, this debt-based financial. You know, uh, you, you can't get credit um, if you don't have any debt. You can have all the resources in the world at times. And if you had at times to need credit to go down and purchase something, they'll say, I don't care how much money you got. You don't have any you don't have, because it's all debt-based, because that's the way the world thinks. And what we're doing is we're trying to step outside of the world's culture. We're trying to step into the kingdom of God. And God said, seed time and harvest, right? As long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest. So catch that in your spirit. I told you last week, sometimes we give to the man of God, but sometimes we give through the man of God. Right, and so when we get ready in two weeks, it's not given to the man of God, it's given through the man of God. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be alongside you because of my resources are added in the pot as well that we're sowing into this unique opportunity that I'm excited to share with you. But I want to show you a passage in Scripture here today where this principle comes alive, see the miracle of seed faith. It could have began in 1 Kings 17. I won't go there. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter number 4. We're going to only read about six verses, even though the story is chapter or verses 8 through 37. But the, but the original, maybe the original point of teaching for seed faith actually comes to us from the prophet Elijah. The prophet Elijah, if you may remember, in 1 Kings chapter number 17, was sent to Zarephath during a time of famine. And he was met outside the gate by a widow woman with her son. Anybody remember that story? Does anybody remember that story real quickly? And so he was met there, 
and he asked her of something. He said, I want you to go and get me a cup of water. And then he said, I want you to make a cake. And that's when she poured out her testimony. And she said, I don't have anything. I barely have enough meal for me and my son. We're going to make one cake. We're going to pat it out, and then we're, I'm going to give it to my son. He's going to eat it, and then we're going to both sit in the corner of our house, and we're going to die during the famine. I mean, you know, that's the mindset that could come upon you with debt and with confusion and things around you. But the man of God had a word from God. I know you aren't shouting me down this morning, but I came with the word from God today. There's a miracle in seed faith. The man of God looked at the impoverished widow, and he said, do exactly as you have said, but bring me the cake first. And he said, I'm here to tell you, God promises that your meal barrel's not going to waste away, your cruise of oil will not go empty until God sends rain on the earth. It was a powerful story. Read it, 1 Kings 17. But I chose another text from the successor of Elijah, Elisha. Elisha was witness to, not of that, but he was aware of that account. And as the story picks up in his ministry, many, many years later, you read it with me on the screen, it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. I love those words that are chosen there because you can make a decision in your heart how you live that can determine how people and what people think about you. Do you see that? The author of Scripture doesn't give us anything about this woman's assets or what she's done other than that, it was, that he recognized that just who she was, she was a great woman. And so Elisha, after a period of time, is coming by. He's an itinerating prophet. He's on the northern tribes of Israel. It's not in the southern tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And so he's actually in this itinerating ministry. And every time that he's coming by, she started to see something, and she, said, and she started inviting him in to her home, and he's eating bread. So every time he comes in, he's eating bread. She's providing. And so she's sowing into his life. And read this next verse, number nine. And she talks to her husband, and she said, you know, as I'm talking to this man, and maybe, you know, there was maybe sometimes they didn't see eye to eye, meaning what, not eye to eye like in disagreement, but in the culture, sometimes men and women did not talk. They spoke through someone else. But she perceived, she said, you know what, this is not just a vacuum cleaner, uh, you know, a, a, sell, a salesman. This is not an encyclopedia salesman that's coming here. This is, this, there is something, uh, that, how many of you know the anointing of God is discernible? She said, there is something about that. There is, he, this is a holy man of God. And she said, let's do something. So this is the original HGTV right here. This is long before Joanna uh, and Chip came along. She said, let's do something right here. Verse number 10. She said, let's build on to our house. And let, let's make a little chamber. So let's go. Let's, 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 let's remodel the homes. And you see the seed that she's sowing. And she said, let's make a little chamber. And let's, she said, and then let's decorate the house. And it's going to be a nice little place of solace and refuge. We're going to put a bed in there. And, and we're going to put a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be whenever he cometh to us that he's going to turn in thither. And so I love the, the word thither. You're going, where is thither? Now you know. It's right there. It's at Shunem. And verse number 11. And it fell on a day that he came thither. I told you there it was. He came thither. 
And he turned into the chamber, and he lay there. So in the heat of the day, as Elisha is making his itinerating ministry once a month, twice a month, we don't know, the Bible doesn't, it just says as often as he passed by, he knew he had a place where he could get out of the sun. He knew he had a place of refuge. He had a place where he had a table that he could sit at. He had a candlestick to illuminate any studying that he needed to do. He had good fellowship and communication with the couple. It was a place where the man of God could go, and he could find solace, and he could, re- he could rest. He could gain the strength that he need. So it was bread for the man of God. It was bread that had been given to him. It was bread to him, but it was seed to her. And so after several months of receiving of her hand, and this is where I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of time, he wanted to do something for this woman. And so he asked his servant Gehazi, and he said, Gehazi, what can we do? And he said, can we talk to the king on her behalf? Is there anything? And so they called her, and Gehazi is speaking to her, and Elisha is speaking through Gehazi. And he said, ask her, what can we do? Do you want us to talk to the king on your behalf? She said, no, I'm good. Everything is good. And what can we do? Well, then Gehazi said, you know what? Her husband is old. She doesn't have a child. And the anointing of God fell right there in that little chamber. And the bubbling up of the prophetic word flowed out of the mouth of the man of God. And he spoke over her. And he said, he said, about this time next year, you're going to have a son. And she said, oh, man of God, because you know she had longed for that moment. She had longed for it. And it not had happened as of yet. She said, oh, man of God, don't you tempt me or tease me this way. But God spoke the word over her. And the Bible says, that I think verse number 32 and 33 we've got. We're going to put it up here. I think it is about, was that it right there? Let's go back. I'm sorry, Angie, I missed it. I love this, verse 16. About this season, about that season, according to the time. Remember, seed time and harvest is what? It's a season. About this season, according to the time of life, she embraced a son. And that's exactly what took place. A son came forth. Now, the story then takes us further. And I don't remember. If you put 32, I can't remember it right off the top of my head without reading it. Elisha was coming to the house. Look what happened. After a period of time, the child died. So I'm pause right there. To fill in the gap on this story and to make this my closing points here in just a moment of time. The Bible says that she brought forth a child according to the time of life, just like it was prophetically declared by the man of God. And she had a child. She raised the child. She nursed the child. The child was eventually weaned. And when it was weaned, one day it had gone weaning in those days, might be three or four or five years old. And so the child's going out. His father's in the field. And the Bible says that the child's head began to hurt. And he cried out to his dad. His dad said, take him to his mom. Many uh, commentaries tell us they believe that he had a heat stroke. And so his mom takes him, and she goes in her house, and you know she's distraught. She sits in her favorite chair. She's holding him, laying on her breast, and she's rocking him, and she's hugging him, and she's, he's seated on her knees. The Bible plainly says on her lap, and she holds him until about noon, and she watched. Can you imagine? She's slapping her child on the face. He's starting to grow white and, and, and pale, and, and his lips turn blue, and she's, pop, and she's trying to get life back into him, and she watches the very life slip out of her child. She's frantic and distraught, but the Bible tells us that she does something. She picks him up as a woman of faith. Let me tell you, faith is what moves God. Faith is what we have to have. That's why the word of faith is near you in your heart and in your mouth. And so you know what she did? She climbed through her home that had been renovated, and she made her way to the little chamber that she had built for the man of God. And she went in, and she laid her child, she laid him on her seed bed. 
That place where she had sown those many months or years earlier that she had sown, that place was going to be the place of her harvest in the days ahead. And so then she said, you know what, i got to get to the man of God. She called one of her servants and she said, would you saddle me a, an animal? I've got to get to the man of God. And her husband notices her in haste leaving the yard on the animal. And, and, and he says, where are you going? She said, I'm going to the man of God. And you know what, he didn't attend church with her. He said, why are you going to him today? It's not a Sabbath. It's not a new moon. It's not a festival. She said, all is well. And she found the man of God. And when she found the man of God, she said, you got to come back to my house. And the man of God said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll send my servant Gehazi. And she said, that's fine, you send your servant. But she said, I didn't build that chamber for my, your servant. I built that for the holy man of God, and you're coming with me. I'm telling you, you got to have faith when it comes time to harvest and say, God, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. And so she said, you're going to come with me. And so Gehazi went. He went in front of her. He went up in the little chamber. He laid a rod, the man of God's staff on top of the child. Nothing happened. And then the man of God got back to the place that he had laid previously, that it was seed to her and was bread to him. But now you're about to see it be a multiplication that would result in the glory of God. And so the man of God went up into the little chamber and didn't let the mama come with him. And he stretched himself out upon the child. And then the Bible says he prayed unto the Lord. I love that. He prayed unto the Lord. Now, why am I telling you these things right here? Because you never know what God's going to do in your future when you sow. God can use somebody that was the end result of you sowing into their life to pray for you at the time of your greatest need. And the Bible tells us that when the man of God prayed, God heard his prayer. Life came back into her son, and the son coughed and sneezed and popped up out of that bed. And he called the woman, and he said, take your son. Can you imagine what was in her heart when she received her child back to life? The reason why I came along to tell you today is that miracle would have never taken place if she hadn't sown the seed that was in her hand. Now, let me ask you today, why is that recorded in all of Scripture? Why is it there for, is it there just to be a, a fantastic story that we read about and it's almost like fantasy to us? Or is it there so that when you and I read it, we can be moved in our heart to say, God, I'm going to be a sower all the days of my life. And I'm going to sow seed because I believe in the miracle of seed faith. And there could come a moment in my life when I need a miracle and when I need a miracle, I want to be able to look to the God of heaven who gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater, and he multiplies our seed sown. So let me tell you as I close this message today, this last week, this week, and two weeks from now, I'll culminate this three-part series related to sowing. Only you know what's in your heart, and only you know what God's put in your heart and mind to connect with. The point I'm trying to bring to you is, when God speaks something to your heart, you've got to obey. You've got to act in faith. You've got to sow, even if it costs you something at that moment, you sow it in faith. Even if it is with tears, you sow it in faith, trusting that if you sow in tears, you're going to reap in joy. Does that make sense here today? The thing that JoJo, myself, Jace, Shane has always been this way with us is we want to see our missions go to a next level at First Assembly in 2021. And the thing, the reason why I have, a, as a pastor, I have an ulterior motive. Not only do I want to see what can happen when we do more than what we've ever done previously, 
I want to see what God's going to do in your life. Joe, where's that, that, that faith promise card? You got it right there? Can I, is there an actual card inside it? Thank you so much. It's time to close and get you out of here. I'm going to do something totally different. This is how this works. This is what you keep and retain. This is what you fill out, and this is what you turn in. I want you to do something as you pray over what God's having you to do. The pastor, did you bring me down here on this snowy day just to raise funds for missions? Absolutely not. I came and brought you down here today to teach you the miracle of seed faith. The miracle of seed faith. Because there could come a moment in your life when you have a great need. But if you have sown no seed, there might not be a harvest that can be a, a blessing to you and your family. But I believe that when you sow, God takes notice of. How many believe that? I believe God watches. God watches. God watches. I want to ask you to do something. When you fill this part out and you turn it in, this is going to be different. You're going to keep that part. I want you to write on the back what you're believing God for in your family. Because me and the pastors, we're going to keep these cards for 12 months. We're going to keep these cards, and we're going to pray over them. And we're going to ask the God of all heaven, and we're going to say, God, would you work in the life of my church family? Would you show yourself mighty on their behalf? We're going to keep these, and we're going to bring them in the altar through the week some and lay them out here. And we're going to, and we're going to read some of these, all of these ourselves, just to join our faith with your faith. There's no shame in having need. Right? But the promise is, sow a seed. Sow seed and watch God meet your need. And that's how he receives glory. Amen? So remember, these are on the table as you leave. Nobody is trying to coerce you. But what I'm trying to teach you is a principle. I'm going to be joining with you. Sherry and I, would you stand up with me today? We'll be filling ours out as well. And you say, Pastor, what an odd way to kind of culminate the service here today. Well, you know what? It is what it is. The reality is... It takes tears and it takes sacrifice to truly sow at the level that God watches over and speaks his blessing over. I want to ask you as, a, as an individual, the reason why I've chosen to link this to missions is, church family, there's nothing more viable in the kingdom of God than for us collectively as a church family to see the gospel taken around the world. When, when I told you last week, that, or two weeks ago even, that we could give, and there's so, much, so many things that you're giving. When, you give, when we give into missions, you're helping provide for a mother, that, or, or, or not a mother, it, it is a mother too, but a pregnant girl. A pregnant woman who's not married, she has no place to go. Her family tried to talk her into aborting the child, but she finds out she can go to Hillcrest Children's Home in Hot Springs. And there she can be in a safe environment, taught mothering skills, give birth to the child, and then make a decision whether she wants to give the child up for adoption or wants to raise it herself. How I many you know that's a viable part of the kingdom of God? When you give to missions, you know what you're doing? How many of you think about somebody incarcerated? Is there somebody in your family that you know that's been in incarceration? You're sending Brother Holyfield and other missionaries into the prison to minister the gospel to them. How many here have seen somebody's family shredded because of addictions? 
Let's be, how many of you have seen somebody in your family that you said, man, it, it was terrible, it was horrific, and, and the curse that was brought upon the family because somebody got so engrossed in mission? Did you know that Teen Challenge has the world's greatest recovery rate of 80%? And when you sow into our, the missions of the Assemblies of God, you are providing both men and women all around the world where they can go and be taught how to live free of addictions. Come on, church family. That's powerful, and I can't wait to tell you about what we're going to do in Africa. That's all I'm going to tell you. It's going to be in Africa. In two weeks, you're going to leave a lasting impact on the lives of a con- men and women of a congregation and a pastor on the continent of Africa, right here in Hebrew Springs. Why? Because you got precious seed in your hand, and you chose to sow it, and when you sowed it, God said, I'm going to give seed to the sower, bread to the eater, and I'm going to multiply it. And when it's all said and done, God said, I may even use the people that received of your seed sown to pray for you in the moment of their crisis. I don't know about you today, but church family, that says there's a miracle in seed faith. Let's close our, head, or close our eyes, excuse me, bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, I humble myself before you. And I know the time has slipped away from me and I have to be cautious and mindful of the things that are going on. Our church family was so willing to come out. On a time when we could have looked up and just been myself and the staff. And, but they came out today to give me a live audience to speak to. My brothers and sisters in Christ, God, I pray, are catching hold of the principle of seed faith. I pray today over every man and woman. I pray for them today, God, that you will work. Help all of us to look into the depths of our resources and say, you know what? God's given me seed. I've got seed, I just got to have the courage to sow it. Help us, God, in the days, the weeks ahead to, to unite together as a corporate body of believers and do something dynamic that God is going to, that, that the sound of which is heard in heaven. That's our prayer. Now, I do want to pray today real quickly for you as your heads are bowed and your eyes closed. I feel the Spirit of the Lord upon my heart in this area right here. I want to pray especially for the couples, because I'm telling you, I could see the enlightenment of your eyes when I made that reference a while ago about the, about the financial pressures that create contention between husbands and wives. And I want to ask the church family, maybe you and your spouse are at a great place right now, then you're going to pray for somebody who's not. God, today, we as a family and a, a, a family of believers come together. We pray for the husbands and wives that are part of our fellowship or part of our extended family that may have tension in their home and contention between each other because of financial despair or debt or disagreement. Lord, I pray for a healing work of divine grace in those couples. Who's praying with me right now? Let's turn this house into a house of prayer for a brief moment. God, in the name of Jesus, I want to ask I pray, Lord, stir their hearts. Let husbands and wives come together and let them too, even in their need, sow a seed that God can see your blessing upon it. Break the yoke of debt. Break the curse of poverty off of us. And Father, let husbands and wives and families come together in unity and see the blessing of God upon their family, including financially. 
So, God, I bless the men and the women of God that are here, that are watching by Facebook Live, but we pray for one another, and we love one another, and we do pray for these couples today, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, give us seed to sow, give us bread to eat, and multiply our seed sown. And yes, Father, thank you for the miracle of seed faith, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.